Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday and welcome to the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Coming up on today's show, funny lady Maya Rudolph. In a wide-ranging interview, Rudolph, who is up for three Emmys this year, recalls her early audition days, how comedy helped her mask pain, and of course, what she thinks of all the attention she's getting now because Kamala Harris is running for vice president. Then later in the show, Normal People star Paul Meskel. He's up for his first Emmy for his breakout role as Connell on the hit Hulu drama series. He also recently starred in a music video for the Rolling Stones, and he also happens to now be exchanging emails with Hugh Jackman. It's the final big ticket before Emmy voting closes on August 31st. So stick around. I'll have Maya Rudolph coming up after the break. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Maya Rudolph is up for three Emmys. One is for her voice work on Big Mouth, and the other two are in the same category, for her work on The Good Place and playing Kamala Harris on Saturday Night Live. I caught up with Rudolph from her home in Los Angeles. Here's Maya Rudolph. How are you, Maya? I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, hanging in quarantine, hanging at home. How's quarantine been for you? Five months now. Quarantine has honestly been, um, uh, I mean, let's be honest, it has a lot of challenges, but knock wood, we are all safe and healthy. So that makes me happy. And, um, you know, it it allows you to um, appreciate your life a lot more and appreciate the people in it. And um, yeah, it's been a little bit sweeter in that respect. That being said, like, you know, we're all sick of each other, but, <laughs> but it's, but it's, yeah, it's just like down to basics, right? Like down whatever, to, whatever works. It's, it's down to zoom. It's yeah. zoom. Did we even know what zoom was five months ago? Did you? No, I didn't. And I instantly became, you know, a, a, a teacher's assistant on it. I was talking to their teachers and helping out with math. And I mean, it's just been a really it's something that I, I, we were watching radio days the other night. Um, uh, and it was great because the kids had never seen it. And I feel like there have been so many times in movies where you um, see people during wartime and you think, what must that have been like? And there was a moment when the family had to um, turn off all the lights for the, the um, so that the Germans wouldn't, wouldn't see New York, you know? And I thought, you know, I feel like this is the first time I can kind of relate to like something we all have to do, something we're all doing together. And we're going to look back and reflect and tell their kids. And it was pretty wild. That's so interesting because the other day I was thinking, I remember when I was younger and I would say to my grandma, like, did you always have electricity? You know, yeah. listen, she wasn't from the 1800s. She had electricity. But, it, I, yeah. but I think about like, it's not, it's kind of the same thing. Like all of a sudden they had, you know, they have electricity and it just becomes normal. Like when it first happened, it must've been like, what is this? And now like I look at people wearing masks and it is just completely normal. Yeah. Yeah. I get a weird, um, I don't go out much, but when I have, um, I get a little like road rage when I see people not wearing masks around, Oh yes. you know, around other people. Like, you doing? I get so, so ragey. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's just a strange time. And you don't know, like, you're like, 
I should be able to say something because it's my health. I know. I mean, listen, my, my stepmom is Japanese and my parents have been traveling to Tokyo since I was a kid. And they always traveled with masks on, on the airplane. Right. And they'd always say to me like, you should take a mask. It's good. You know, and if you're not feeling well, you should wear a mask. And I was like, that's so embarrassing. You know, <laughs> you look like you're ill. And the, but I, I really have always understood a lot of the reasons for um, safety and precautions in the Japanese culture. And I, I see how, you know, they've done stuff for many years and it, it makes a lot of sense. And the beauty of it is it's not, it's, it's for other people. People wear right. masks to protect other people. That's the crazy part. So yeah, we're working on it, right? As human beings, mm-hmm. I guess we're working on it. We are. And you're going into the Emmys, not one nomination, not two nominations, nope. three nominations. <laughs> Couldn't couldn't be couldn't be crazier. It's How all, weird! I'm just is laughing that? at everything that's going on. Like, sure, why not? I mean, it's <laughs> lovely, you know. It's lovely, but, it's, but for three different, you know, animated yeah. so it's voice work, sitcom, then live tele, you know, live sketch comedy. Like, it's amazing that it's it's all it's sort of a range. It really well, shows. For, your it's, range. Honestly, it's for three things I love very much. So I feel really mm-hmm. proud. Like I I love working on the Good Place, and there's no question that I've I have, and I I love doing anything on SNL, and I feel so lucky that I've been able to play Senator Harris. It feels so exciting, and um and I love my character Connie from Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's nice, you know, to feel proud of the things that you've done for a change and feel like, thank you, everybody. I'm glad you, I'm glad you like it too. So it's, a, yeah, it's all, it's like, enjoy, enjoy the good right now. <laughs> enjoy all the good. And you, obviously you do a lot of voice work. Yeah. How great is it? Like you just sort of don't have to do hair and makeup. You don't have to get into a wardrobe. Fucking great. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I... I remember when we first started having to do any sort of voiceover at SNL, we'd have to go into the booth and we'd record, you know, I got to sing the jingle for mom jeans, or you got to, (laughs) you know, say like, um, you know, whatever tram is sold, you know, at at Dwayne Reed. And I would think like, God, this seems like a fun job. Like I, I like doing different voices in a booth and, um, and it started very gradually, but it's such a fun thing to do because just like with Big Mouth, I mean, you can really be anything. So it sort of transcends, you know, good old fashioned acting where you put on a costume, which, you know, I'm I, Spanx and I are not friends anymore. Like I have <laughs> no interest in putting on another pair of Spanx. So <laughs> it's nice to to not just have to get dressed up in hair and makeup. Sure. But it's also like, I can be a dog. I can be a <laughs> hormone monster. I can be a, you know, anything. It's, it's, it's great in that, in that sense. It's really, you know, it's stretchy. What do you love about Connie? Oh my God, Connie. I am nothing like Connie. So <laughs> balls, you know, the biggest balls of them all. And she's just such, she's so womanly, but she's so hairy and musky um which i love it's just like so unapologetically like stinky and hairy but she's so confident and like just loves herself and just loves her like her curves and um 
I get to say really funny stuff for Connie. They give me really, really funny things to say. And I'm always, I'm always laughing whenever I'm recording her and I'm always saying really dirty, silly things, but they're <laughs> funny, they're really funny. And when you're recording, are you always alone? It depends. Whenever I'm with another person, um, uh, luckily it's Nick Kroll, mm -hmm. which is a dream. That guy is, that guy is unreal talented beyond belief. Mm -hmm. And he makes me laugh so hard. And he actually knows Connie's voice so well. So he gives me things to say. So he likes, like, he likes my pronunciation of instead of saying the word hard, he likes me to say like whore, whore. Like he knows what, he knows what he wants me to say. So he just sort of like dials it in, but he can literally do anything. Usually um, when I do the show, I, I play a lot of, I also play Nick's mom and Fred Armisen is meant to be my husband. And so we have a lot of scenes together, but if Fred's not there, then Nick will play Fred, but he does Fred. It's, but as Fred's character, <laughs> it, he's amazing. But when you have to record on your own, is it just strange? Yeah, I think in a perfect world, it would be nice if we were all together. I like comedy as a group sport personally. And I think, I think it makes me funnier because I feel like I'm laughing more. You know, I feel like when I'm, when I'm around funny people, I, you know, I get motivated to try to make them laugh. And um, you're always trying to make your funny friends laugh and, and then it's sort of infectious. So yeah, I think, I think that definitely helps. Although Mark and Jen, who I work with all the time on Big Mouth, I mean, they've got Connie completely dialed in. And if, you know, if, if Connie died, Jen could do her in her <laughs> sleep. She would, she can do it, you know, asleep, standing up asleep. So when did, when did you know you were funny? Um, when I was little, I knew I was funny and, uh, I don't know. It's funny. I, I can't say how I gravitated towards it. I just know that funny was definitely an option in my household because my parents were very funny and my, and, and my brother was really funny. My brother's four years older. And so he, he was really my, my role model and he was really funny. But I know that when I was little, I remember I had to make my friend laugh because I think she, she got hurt and she was crying and it made me really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I avoided that by making her laugh. And um, it's such a nice, it's such a comfortable mask for me. I mean, it's, I've now, you know, made peace with it and under, and I understand why I've chosen to wear a mask for so many years, but, um, um, but it's still one I love very much. And, um, and I think it goes, and as I age, I think it goes nicely with all the real life stuff too. I think, mm. um, it even took me a long time to sort of have a sense of humor about myself because I've always had a mask, you know, and sort of had to like protect myself in that way. Cause it's mm. really painful the other way, but um, yeah, I got, I, I think, I think I did, you know, hundreds of living room theater for my family as <laughs> hundreds of shows um, performances. And I, I liked the audience. I liked the attention. So mm. I think once I knew that I was getting butts in seats after a while, <laughs> I was, I was hooked. When did you realize it was a mask and it was, I guess, a way, a, a defense in a way? That was later. I mean, definitely later for sure. Um, it's funny though, you, you know, we're all smarter than we think we are when we're, especially when we're younger and 
when I look back at the things I did or the way I maneuvered through life, I'm proud of the younger um, model of me who wasn't consciously aware that it was a mask, but was using it at times that, you know, that were necessary or to deflect um, pain or, or suffering. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until later. And I think, I think even later in my years of at SNL, I sort of realized it wasn't just a mask, but some of my characters, once I started realizing that some of my characters had like a sort of a through line um, and they had something in common, I realized it was more than just a mask, but it's almost like drag. Like for me, it was really realizing that this idea of a woman and feeling my whole life, like I didn't really know how to be one. I was really kind of creating one and creating very mm. larger than life versions of these female characters. And those seem to be the ones I go for. So, you know, after a while, it was like, everyone was just giving me their, their diva characters. It was like, here's Donatella, <laughs> here's, here's Oprah, here's all these like larger than life. But like, I think it's just kind of was like this way to be this like woman, you know? Um, was there was there ever a time where you were told like you shouldn't not be so funny, but you know what? Calm down. You don't want to be the center of attention. Oh sure, of yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm also I'm such a like an obvious person of comedy. Like I, you know, I have my like darkness too that like mm -hmm. pairs well with comedy so like I'm actually pretty mellow in real life and it's a good I you know I my ear is finely tuned to like not being on all the time because that's that's kind of unbearable in in in, yes. <laughs> in my experience so I know when to, I know when to quit but sure I mean, when I was little it was like Wadley Acha 24 7 <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was always the class clown. That's what I got all the time. You're the class clown. You always want the last word. You know, I was yeah. the one. The, te the teacher would say, "You can't have the last word." I'm like, "Yes, I can." You know, <laughs> there <that>. it is. <laughs> I know. I mean, we kind of know who we are as we're finding out who we are. So, it's, it's really interesting to to think about these things now, and I'm sure. I'll be looking back later on now and realizing things that I'm not realizing now, but yeah, I knew, I knew that I liked, you know, to be loud and funny because I was getting a response. I think that's why, you know, SNL is my touchstone of like my heart and like the place that I feel I came alive in what I was already naturally doing because there's a built-in audience and, um, and that energy fed me. So mm. it's so different, you know, doing things obviously in a box or doing things without an audience. But um, I, I was lucky enough. There was one time I was there and um, I was in, I was a cast member on the, sh on the show and at the time and um, Bill Murray happened to be there taping something in the building and he came by and I'd never met him before. And I, I love him a, a lot, like a lot, a lot, like, like too much. And um, 
And so he just started talking to me as though we had had a conversation five minutes ago out of nowhere. I mean, this was like a complete stranger, but he knows it's like, we're, we might as well be family at this point. Cause we're all intertwined. And he gave me the best advice I'd ever gotten at that show. He said, you know, the best thing you can do is to perform for the audience in the room. Don't perform for the audience at home perform for this studio and you're, you're, you're trying to make them laugh. You're trying, when you're, when you're on the floor and you're rehearsing it, trying to make the cameraman laugh, you're trying to make, you know, you're all in it together. And there's something about that that made so much sense and really changed the way that I performed there specifically Mm -hmm. because it's about the actual energy in the room and Mm -hmm. it makes a difference. It, you know, you know what it's like to be, right in front of people and have a captive audience even if you're at a you know a dinner table it's just it's about them and and being connected to them and it it really made it 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 stayed with me I'm so you know I'm so grateful a that I got to (laughs) hang out with him but um but I love that because he's totally right and those are the things that I think they they also sort of transcend into other parts of your life Mm -hmm. Do you remember the first moment you walked on that stage at SNL? What is going through your mind? I was terrified and I feel like Penny Marshall was there, which was really intimidating. Cause I was like, a, you know, I was, she was my lady growing up. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's Laverne and Shirley and Maya. Like, oh, what a coincidence. We, we all live in the same apartment. I live in the same duplex with Lenny and Squiggy. Um, so when you're there, you're looking at the cue cards and the camera, but just past that was Penny Marshall. And it got me like, uh, it made, it got me tongue tied. It got me totally tongue tied. And I think I tripped up on my line or something like that. Um, yeah, it was terrifying. What was the what was the one moment like the first moment where like you just thought you were nailing it you were just so funny the cameraman was gonna laugh and it just went Pfft. oh <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are far too many we actually used to have a thing we did because um, you know dress rehearsal is when things actually get on their feet and you have a full audience right. it's just not live so you you know a dress rehearsal show you really get a chance to give something a try with a with an, a full studio audience. And I can't explain how many times we thought, like, here we go, here it comes, and this thing. And then there are times that have been so bad that you're just laughing because it's going terribly. And you're looking at the other person like, this sucks, this is tanking. And they're like, in their eyes, they're going, I know, it's completely tanking. So we used to have this thing we called shit can alley where a there's a there's an area in the studio where if you're watching the studio from the second floor you can't see the, that set it's sort of mm-hmm. below the bleachers and it's really hard to see so people are watching on the monitors and you always know your sketch probably isn't going to do great when it's in shit can alley because people can't see you so they're sort of like wait what's happening what's it- <laughs> Oh, it's on that little monitor over there. Um, and then we used to get, uh, God, it's so funny. I was just thinking about this this morning that when I started SNL, everything was on VHS. And I'm, you know, I wasn't that long ago, but like 
we used to get um, research used to give us VHS tapes of anything we asked for. So we started asking for the dress rehearsal show and then we'd all get together in somebody's office and we would watch things tink and just laugh our asses off till we were crying. It's so painful. It's so painful to watch, but it's so much fun. It was just like, I survived, <laughs> but it's humiliating. When do you think it's going to be safe to go back into that studio? That's a great question, God. I mean, I'm proud of New York for what they're doing so far. I, yeah. I, you know, I wish I'm in California right now and I wish we were doing as well as they are, but yeah. I believe in that show and I, I know that they'll figure it out at some point. I don't know when, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't believe we don't know. We don't. And anyone who says they do know, they no. don't know. We're all trying to figure it out. Right. And everyone keeps saying, well, when this first started, it was like, oh, two weeks. It'll be fine. No, I was September. reading today on a new report on aerosols and how you know, it's airborne. And yeah, I mean, it's hopefully we'll know what the hell's going on at some point. Right. And that brings me to the next thing. Are you hopeful for 2020? Oh, you know what? I am not going to lose hope. I'm not going to lose hope. And I'm not going to lie. When I heard that, um, Kamala was running, I was like, what's that sensation in my body? This feels foreign. Oh, this is hope. Like, maybe we can do this. Look, I'm well aware that we've been through so much disappointment. And every time I think I'm so disappointed, it can't get much worse. It gets much worse. But um, humans are interesting in in the sense that I think that we, we're all talking about the way we're, we're dealing with this and looking at it. And we're really showing how we're, how we deal with Mm -hmm. this pandemic and it's showing a lot about our personality. So I'm thinking that the people that, that are benefiting from this in a, in a positive way will make some changes. I know my kids living through this will take this with them for the rest of their lives. Hopefully it will not scar them permanently, Mm -hmm. but I think, um, fuel them and um, mm. they're fascinating because they're already like adapting to that to this and going on to the next thing like we just have to do better you know so I I, I think things are going to get better one day I don't know what's going to happen in 2020 <laughs> but I'm going to work my ass off to make to do the best I can to try to make it hopeful so so has the campaign reached out yet what yet? No, I haven't met her. I've never met her. You've never met her? No, we we both um, um, publicly exchanged niceties. She she said something really funny and and cool after I did her on SNL on Twitter, and so I said something back. And like the one in every five years that I respond to anything on Twitter, <laughs> and um, and I've seen her talk about me playing her and hoping I'd play her for eight years, which was great. But I know I've never met her. How wild is it? It's wild. It's so wild because I am not running for vice president and I am not a senator and I have not done the things, the remarkable things that that Senator Harris has done. And yet I am getting a lot of praise (laughs) and it's amazing, but like I'm getting so much goodwill as though I, as though I were running and it's hilarious. Like, you know, people mention her, they mention me too. And it's pretty <laughs> delightful. <laughs> but I keep reminding myself, like, honey, you 
you are not, you are not Kamala, but, um, but I'll take it. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of excitement. Um, I, and, and so that it's a, it's a, it's a nice person to be associated <laughs> with, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm glad. I know I, I spoke to Kerry Washington and she said, you know, a lot of times when things are like this are happening, that like Olivia Pope, save us. And she's like, Olivia Pope doesn't exist. I'm she not Olivia up. Pope. You got to vote. I'm, I, I'm flattered, but no. That's right. <laughs> but it is nice that, you know, for so many years, Saturday Night Live has been able to process a lot of what we're all feeling and at times really be cathartic for what we're all experiencing. I know I felt that way when I watched the SNL at home. That was great. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially that very first episode. I think we all felt like, okay, we're all (laughs) good. This was familiar and we're laughing. Oh my God, we're laughing. And I mean, I worked at the show after September 11th and I remember being in that studio um, with all the, with all the firemen and um, I was wild. Wild, like what a time! I mean, I had just moved to New York, and um, it was, uh, and and I remember going into the show at the end of summer, thinking like, "What are we gonna? How are we gonna do this show?" And then somehow we figured it out. And I think the thing you realize is people need people need to laugh, and people need to have a collective experience. People need to talk mm. about it. I'm a firm believer in talking about things, maybe too much, but. I think it's good. So, so you like therapy. I have a feeling you like therapy. Love it. Love uh, it. 20 years. 20, at least 20 I'm going on. So it's fantastic. Nice. And I, and I mean, I mean, it, it, I, it's good for me, you know, to, to get things out of my brain and my body. They seem a lot smaller when they're out. When you, you don't, say it. Oh, yeah. When you say they, it. Takes the power away. That's right. So tell me about the first audition you ever went on. Oh my God. I'd have to think about that one. I feel like, I feel like it wasn't, it didn't go well. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think things went that great in the beginning. (laughs) I mean, I didn't even audition for Saturday Night Live, which I've, which I've mentioned publicly. So people know that, but like, I got talked out of it by a manager at the time who thought, oh, you don't want to go now. The contract was so bad. And I was so young and impressionable. I went, okay. And so really being on Saturday Night Live was my audition, just doing the show live. I came at the end of the 25th season and I just did some live shows. But um, God, I mean, I used to do, when I first started auditioning, I used to do auditions for like commercials or even, I think I was even doing like, groups of like young kids in music videos and like really bad stuff like that. So I remember one time I was like an extra background in um, a Dr. Dre video and they wanted us to, and it was like a night shoot, which is already like, this is a terrible idea. And we got paid nothing. And I, we had to walk in this, like, I I don't know, like, place where they they said like oh you know where we're walking where that liquid is that's where they dump porta potties and I was like I'll be in my car and I slept in my car for the whole night of the shoot and then got my money and then went home so you weren't in the video in the end no god no no god no 
I wasn't in videos in those days though. I mean, they were like, there was a, there was a small movement in, you know, what was it? Uh, 96, maybe 97. There were a lot of music videos being made. And so they'd have like, it was, it was pre hipster. So I don't know right. what people were called, but like my hair was really curly and I was like young and you were called like, the, you were called the nineties. <laughs> so nineties. <laughs> was like kids hanging out on a roof <laughs> downtown. So I was like in a Miller beer commercial, like in the desert, except. <laughs> and then you did Chicago Hope. Yeah, that was like my Which first Which is 24 job. years. 24 years. 24, really? 1996. Oh, come on, really? Though so I probably auditioned for that. You got it. I Something did. Went well. I did. You're like, I was in a Dr. Dre video. <laughs> so get ready. I had to audition for Jim Brooks once. I was, I end up being, I mean, I might as well have been a background person in the movie as good as it gets. Uh, no, not as good as it gets. It was, uh, oh no, it's as good as it gets. That's right. Um, and uh, I had to audition for for Jim Brooks, which was terribly exciting and terribly embarrassing. What am I? But, what, um, do you remember what you auditioned for? I was about four. No, no, no I was uh no, I was, yeah, it was probably 20, God, what year was that? 25, 26, five, yeah. yeah. Do you remember what but you I auditioned looked, for? I looked like I was four. <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember what role you auditioned for, or was it just some random? Oh, it was the exact same one I'm in, that I, I am in the movie, but it was like, they want you, they want you inside, sir. It was like the Pee Wee Herman, paging Mr. Herman. You're wanted at the front desk. And look where you are now. Three Emmy nominations. I know. Going up against yourself. Apparently I made history, which was also news to me that like (laughs) that hasn't, I guess no one has been nominated against themselves in this category. Great. Like I've always wanted to make history somehow. I'm glad it's for this and not something really awful. (laughs) Like, and she was the lady that, you know, <laughs> drove off the off-ramp. Not no. what. Um, have you heard from, now my dog's saying someone's at the door. Um, <laughs> have you heard from Wanda Sykes? Because she's going to, I mean. I know. No, we actually, we were on a panel, a virtual panel together. Um, so I was talking to her as well as some other nominees when we found out that Senator Harris was nominated. Oh, the EW um, panel. Yeah. So um, I love that one to say. She's so funny. Oh my God. What a dream boat. I and love Taiko, And you're going against Taiko Atiti. Fine with me. I'll take it. <laughs> it's sure. such a hodgepodge of people. There's a hodgepodge of people. I mean, I'm, it's amazing what you can do when you never meet any of these people and you're like, oh, we're doing what together, Taika? <laughs> I think you need to be in the new Thor. I'm down. If I can do it from my bedroom. <laughs> the, voice of the, the voice of the hammer. <laughs> I got this. I know it all too well. My son is really into, into Thor, so he got a hammer and you have to say... Um, well, it says I am Thor, but you also have to say, oh, shoot, he was just here. I could have asked him. <laughs> I think you say, like, power, or you say you say something like destiny, and then, it like, <laughs> it like was, there's, like, a big, like, thund- lightning bolt or something. There's your, you know what? You you just went on tape for Tiger. <laughs> I 
There you go. <laughs> Maya, thank you so much. This was absolutely awesome. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. And I'll see you at the virtual Emmys. I think so. Yeah, what are you going to wear? A shirt? Sure. <laughs> That's it. I mean, listen, my feet are going to be so happy no matter what I wear. Because, uh, I mean, this is it. I'm wearing, I'm wearing these. That's it. Good. You're, you're wearing more than I'm wearing. I got socks. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. That's awesome. It. Thank you, Maya. All right. Pleasure. Take care. Bye. Thank you. I'm going to take a short break, but when we return, Hollywood's newest heartthrob, Normal People star, Paul Meskel. If I could be you. And you could be me for just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Paul Meskel's breakout role on the Hulu drama series Normal People has earned the 24-year-old Irish actor his first Emmy nomination. Along with all the buzz and the heat surrounding the show and his performance, Meskel is now friends with Hugh Jackman, who is also nominated in the same category. And what can only be described as a completely surreal experience, Meskel recently starred in a music video for the Rolling Stones. In fact, he's the only person in the music video for the Rolling Stones. I caught up with Meskel over Zoom from his apartment in London. So, Paul, Emmy nominee. No matter what happens at the Emmys, you could be called an Emmy winner, but you will forever at least be the Emmy nominated. What does that feel like? Uh, it's- Honestly, it feels great. It's a lovely feeling. <laughs> um, one that takes a little. It, I don't. I like. Look, it's a, it's a it's a strange feeling. <laughs> it's great though. <laughs> what does your family say? What do they say about this? What do I? When the nomination came through, uh, I was desperately trying. My mom is quite like when I used to play sport. My mom used to like come to them football matches but she wouldn't necessarily watch it she would like pace around the the ground so she had gone for a walk on the beach my dad was somewhere else so I was trying to uh, voice call everybody on a whatsapp group but nobody was picking up I think they were all kind of screaming like it, it, when I when I got everybody on the call it was uh, pretty amazing my brother who never cries was crying <laughs> so oh that's pretty, sweet pretty lovely yeah Old, older or younger brother Younger, younger. Oh, that's very, yeah. very sweet. So when did you know that the show was a hit? When did you know, like, you know what? We're doing something. We're doing something right here. Yeah, I, I think my initial, it was, it was probably the weekend that it came out on the BBC when it, when it dropped on the player, all 12 episodes came out. And um, there was a pretty amazing response to the show on social media and things which we were told to avoid but then I think Lenny told me quite quickly after the show release he was like look this is one of those few times that 95% of the response was positive so go on have a look enjoy it and uh, yeah so it was probably the first, the weekend that it dropped on the BBC and then it drops in the US drops in the US yeah. everyone's home 
we can't go yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Not that that's the only reason we watched it, but it definitely helps viewership. Um, mm -hmm. What did that feel? I mean, the you. I mean, I remember when it dropped, and it just all of a sudden slowly people. Wait, did you see this normal people? Did you see this normal normal people? And then it just builds. Do you feel that? Yeah, you you totally feel it, especially when it's something that you feel like artistically very proud of, and and you're you you love the team that you made it with. And you're kind of hoping because we'd seen the response initially in the UK and we were like, okay, this bodes well. And then it kind of doubled overnight when the the US, the response in the US was equally as, as huge. So there was kind of like a two week period where it felt like a like or a huge percentage of my demographic, for example, were all watching the show, or there was a very strong presence. Uh, on social media with with uh, viewers of the show, so it was it was, it was incredible too. Were you surprised Daisy didn't get the same love, the same attention when it comes to the Emmys? So, totally, like I feel like it's it's difficult to speak on her behalf, so I can only speak on like from my perspective, acting with her, and she like is extraordinary and, and and yeah it is it is disappointing because i would have loved to have shared that with her so like like i'm sharing what the love that i've received with her and i think that it's it's just it's a i'm disappointed for her but um ultimately it's 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 just the less fun part of this job i think well what's really fun is you get to go up against uh hugh jackman hugh jackman yeah. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? Pretty cool. I know. Like, like, and the best, like, honestly, the best part of it is, is that you're actually looking at somebody who you don't have to pretend, like, he's literally one of my idols. I think the way that he has conducted himself for many years within the industry and anybody who's met him or who I, who's talked to him, he, is nothing but a gentleman even when normal people came out or he he got around to watching it and he, he sent me a lovely email this is prior to any wow. kind of nominations or anything and then like we were talking away by email which is an insane sentence to even come out of my mouth but then he sent a gorgeous email again when we were nominated in the same category so i, I think the only disappointment is that i won't get to see him at the ceremony but I just hope, I hope like there's some kind of, we're all putting a Zoom box room and like, I'll just go talk to him there. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. Well, you know what you could do? Like really mess with people, do one of those virtual backgrounds and it's just all Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, how, um, how bittersweet is it? It's like, here's your Emmy nomination and you're going to be wearing your pajamas. Um, the, the positives definitely outweigh the disappointment. There, there, there really is no disappointment other than the fact that it's a flashy night. You get to wear cool clothes and you get the real disappointment is getting to meet, meet some people, a lot of people that I, I really admire and kind of taste that for the first time. But really it's, I'm, I'm just so thrilled that this, the show has received four nominations um in total, which, um, which is, and it would have been great to share it with everybody there from that team. So, um, yeah, the, but definitely the positives outweigh the disappointments for sure. So what are you wearing? What are you going to wear? 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm go- I might go like. So I'm definitely going to go informal on the bottom. Not that anyone is ever going to see it. But uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't. What do you What do you think the dress code will be? Like square I mean, casual. There. I mean, the the that first letter that went out was like, you know, we still want you to have fun. I think. It, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Like, is it weird to be like right now? I'm looking at you and I'm trying to imagine you sitting there in a tuxedo. Yeah, I just on the would couch. I might borrow. I might borrow one of your dicky bows. That's okay. <laughs> I'll just wear the dicky bow. <laughs> just the, no, the dicky bow and the Connell chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underneath, just, uh, yeah. That that'd be quite the combo. And they won't know you'll be wearing. The I was gonna say soccer the the football shorts the famous football yeah, but shorts look no one will no one will ever know <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we of course you know everyone wants a season two mm-hmm. is there any chance any not that you would even tell me if it's being talked about but not that look <laughs> I'd be I I have a feeling that I would like I I would definitely love to play that character again but i have no kind of feeling or or um understanding that that is a reality um i think i think like having heard lenny and ed talk about it like if it was to happen i think it would happen at some point not in the immediate future but kind of give those characters a little bit of um breathing room to see what happens in, I, I i think um <laughs> is that your dog Two of them because the mailman. The dog. Paca. The dog doesn't want me to answer. The dog doesn't Paca. want me to answer. Season two. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. So season. Two. I can't win with Paul. Season two. No, it's 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 totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I like I'd love from an actor's perspective, I'd love to play him again, but I um I don't think people should be holding their breath for it anytime soon. Or potentially so, at all. Who knows? <laughs> so someone comes to you right now and says you can work with anyone right now. Your next project, anyone you want. One person. Who is it? <laughs> Daisy and Lenny on Normal People Season Two. <laughs> that was <laughs> so yeah. political. Well, I set you up for that. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, of course, have to talk about those that other famous group that you're involved with. What are their names? The Rolling Rocks. Oh, Rolling Stones. Yes. Rolling Rocks. Yeah. Yeah. You star yeah. in a Rolling Stone music video. It's cool. <laughs> I yeah. I. <laughs> it's it's really hard to talk about because it was just really like a like such a cool thing to get to have done, and I was also just dying to do some form of work during lockdown, and that was a pretty pretty exciting one to be involved with was that just all your dancing or was it choreographed or you just we we worked with a with a with a movement director but i think the the intention was to keep it like not choreographed there was one shot that there was a full-on uh dance routine down the stairs then into lifting the camera it was which was really fun which i really enjoyed um but but mostly it was kind of just going nuts and kind of I, I would do something and the movement director would be like, oh yeah, that 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 idea that you're playing was fun. So go a little bit more crazy. 
So is it your agent, your manager? Who sends you an email or calls you and say, by the way, Mick Jagger is requesting? Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was from, came through my agents and they, they had sent the breakdown and they were like, it's a Rolling Stones document, uh, or it's a Rolling Stones uh, music video. What do you think? And I was like, is there, is there a conversation really to be? <laughs> to be had here um but yeah uh, like it's one that i'll definitely look back on and be like oh i did that thing and it was a really and also just doing a music video is a really fun it's it's not kind of really part of the gig that you ever think you're like but it, it's it's a form that i really find interesting and kind of demands different different parts of what you can do as an actor i think are you already thinking about wanting to direct one day? Um, <laughs> not for a long. I think I, w- I think I would like to at some part distant, far <laughs> away, essentially. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it helps when you work with um, directors like Lenny and, and Hetty when you're like, okay, the way that they work with actors is it is what I what I, I imagine if I was a director would be the really fun part and, that, and that's what I saw in them and, but uh, lots lots of sets to be on before then before I know what the hell is going on <laughs> in the director's head when they're thinking of they must be jog, juggling about like a hundred different things in their head and, and I'm only able to really do the one thing when I'm on set and now tell me about the first audition you ever went on First, first audition, I definitely did. First, I, I can't, I genuinely can't, I did like small auditions for like pantomimes when I was very young, cannot remember them, blind panic. Uh, and then the first professional audition I went on was in my final year in drama school, we were doing a play called Mojo by Jez Butterworth. And the artistic director of The Gate came to see it and they were, she was casting uh, The Great Gatsby, a kind of immersive uh, production of that. And I auditioned for it, and it was pretty fun. And you got it. Yeah, yeah. That was my first job as well. So what was your audition? What did you have to do? We had to... So th- the nature was, I can't, we did... It was weird, but I went for the audition in the morning and then I went back to college and then I had to go back for the callback. So by the time my phone wasn't working at the time. So when I went back to college, they were like, okay, you have to go back for a callback. And I remember just being like, Oh my God, this is not supposed to happen. (laughs) And also I felt I was at the time, probably definitely 10 years too young to play him on paper. So it wasn't something that I felt was even a reality when I went for the first audition. But then I, when I went back to the callback, I was like, Oh God, I, really really want this and so for the audition we did scenes with tom it was gatsby tom scenes and they were full on and i was like everyone was reading from sides and uh i can't i can't really remember i just remember being like feeling like that it was the start of what being a professional actor looked like and it was really exciting and being around actors which was really strange being around actors that like as when you were in college and you go to see plays around Dublin, you were suddenly in an audition room with them because it was kind of a group audition. And I was like, it definitely, definitely a lot of kind of faking it till you make it kind of vibes in there with me anyway. 
And look at where you are now. You're on your couch and you get to talk to me <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> That's the goal. That was Paul Mesco, And that's it for today's Big Ticket. Coming up next week, John Leguizamo. We're chatting Chu Wang Fu, Spawn, Latinx Superheroes, and his directorial debut, Critical Thinking. Until then, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your up-to-the-minute Hollywood news, head over to Variety.com. Stay safe, be well, and please keep wearing those masks. I'll see you next week. Music.